right. Well, uh, I did not mention this earlier, although it was, again, in other emails, but we do not have kids' ministry to get today, and we are uh, seeking to keep this to about an hour, so the goal is to finish right around um, 11 o'clock, so you can have your watches out and check how long I take to preach, so we'll see, huh? Um, all of you are doubting, I can tell, but uh, we're, we're going to give it a try. So if you are a kid in here, um, I just want to let you know, I think you can hang in there with this, okay? This, the, really, today we're looking at one single verse, okay? Almost just two phrases that uh, we're going to look at. So you can get that, if you can walk out of this room getting that verse, those two phrases, um, uh, that's a win for me, so, and I think it's a win for you too. So, uh, let's uh, read this passage. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke 2. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there are black Bibles should be under the seats in front of you, at least most of the seats. So, Luke 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 8, and we'll read just to verse 14. And our focus really today is going to be on verse 14. So Luke 2, starting in verse 8, says this, And in the same regions there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Let's pray and ask for God's help in this time. Our Father, Lord, you know our minds get so easily distracted, so filled with so many details and events or struggles and fears. And right now we ask that you calm our minds and direct our hearts to hear your word. That's what we need right now. So help us to hear your words clearly. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look again there at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. If you look just at the English text of verse 14 there, you can see it's kind of set off as a couplet, what would indicate maybe a poem or a, or a song, right? And if you look at it, you could, it's not hard to imagine that the angels probably sang this. This multitude of angels appears. There is good news of great joy. They appear, and, and you imagine that they, they sang these words, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
But when you look at a couplet, it also tells us that there are essentially just two parts to this thing, right? Or you could say two big ideas here, right? It's not hard to get. Glory to God, number one. And number two, peace on earth. Glory to God, peace on earth. These are two parts of this saying, but really, in some sense, they are, they are two truths, realities, that arrive with Jesus' coming that tell us almost everything we need to know. Glory to God and peace on earth. In other words, praise to God, salvation for us. The credit goes to God and the benefit comes to us. Glory to God, peace on earth. How good is that? Glory to God and peace on earth. It's like the perfect pairing, like peanut butter and chocolate, or a double play to end the game, or Batman and Robin, or a book and a blanket, or right? Like only this is infinitely better. Glory to God and peace on earth. In many ways, this is a summary of the entire story of redemption. It's it's God's gloriously wise design that it would all come together here. Glory to God, peace on earth in this baby born. This is the truth we will be celebrating for all eternity. Glory to God and peace on earth. We want to slow down this morning a little bit and gaze at these truths, at this pairing. So number one, glory to God. In these previous verses that we've seen, the angel that we read, the angel announced this good news of great joy, right? This Savior has been born, this promised Messiah. Remember the angel's words, this is good news of great joy. And then I love how it says here that this, this will be unto you is born this day. And the idea there, it, this baby is born in some sense for you. Yeah, yeah, this baby has a mom, but this baby is born for more than his own family. This baby is born for you. The eternal Son has taken on flesh. The triune God is on the move to rescue His people. Notice in this, as you think about what's happening here, the eternal God, the Son, taking on flesh, the promises of God being fulfilled, the Savior coming to rescue. In all of this, it's not about what man has done. This is not an announcement about what mankind can accomplish through their intelligence and innovation and technology or whatever else. This is not an announcement about what man has earned or devised on their own or their wisdom or, or, or how good they are and how far they could go if they would just believe in themselves, this is not an announcement about the impressiveness of humankind this, or what man has done. This is an announcement about what God is doing. This is about His worth. This is a display, an announcement of His glory. Right? Glory to God. It's saying that He is worthy. He has weight he is important and impressive, and we are going to tell Him, announce, and call everybody else to celebrate with us how worthy, how supremely valuable He is. That's what, that's what the angels are doing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Think about how 
this birth of this baby brings glory to God. See, see this, this birth is a display of the glory of God's love, astounding love that He would send His Son, His Son to take on flesh and, and live and die and rise again for us. This baby being born is a display of the glory of God's covenant faithfulness, that He would remember and fulfill every single one of His promises. This baby being born is a display of the glory of God's tender compassion, that He would stoop down in this way to care for us in our helplessness. This baby being born is a display of the glory of God's pure grace that He would move towards us, not in judgment, but to save and to rescue. This baby being born is a display of the glory of God's unrivaled power that the Son of God would be conceived of a virgin. And that God Himself would take on flesh. This baby being born is a display of the glory, the weight, the brilliance of God's infinite wisdom. That He would devise a plan none of us would have come up with to rescue His people. That He Himself in the person of His Son would become a man. Humbling Himself to live the life we should have lived and to die the death we deserve to die. This baby being born is a display of the weight and the worth of who God is. Listen to John 1.14. And the Word became flesh. That's what we're talking about here, right? That's Jesus, God the Son, becoming flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the one and only from the Father, I'm sorry, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So it's like in this moment, as the shepherds are there in the field, the angels are comprehending what is happening. They're seeing the glory of God in this event of this baby being born. And they're bursting forth in song. It's like a crowd after a World Cup win. Or an audience after a, a brilliant Broadway production standing in ovation. It's an exclamation of praise, and it's a call for others to praise. Look, applaud, see the worth and the weight of who God is and what He is doing right now in this baby coming to save and rescue us. And friends, that's the big application for us here. It's for us to see the weight and worth of who God is in what's happened in Jesus becoming man. In the Son taking on flesh. And then it's a call for us to call others. Come, celebrate with us. See and celebrate and savor the glory, the weight and worth of who God is seen in Christmas. In Christ taking on flesh. Glory to God in the highest. Secondly, so glory to God in the highest. Everybody got that? Glory to God in the highest. Secondly, peace on earth. What is peace 
Biblically, peace is more than just an absence of hostilities. It's not like, you know, you stop fighting, you go to the other sides of the room and, and, and kind of sit in a huff. That's not peace. That's something different. Peace is something far deeper, more comprehensive. You might have heard of the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. Shalom is this comprehensive wholeness and harmony. It's the broken being mended. It's the wrong being made right. It's things as they were meant to be. You know those moments you have where it's like, oh, this is what it was meant to be. Like that temperature, Once we, we get it you know, certain times of year here where it's just like you walk outside and it's like, this is the perfect temperature. Or you taste that dish and it's like, this is exactly what this is supposed to taste like. This, you know, this ice cream or this, this, you know, whatever, cinnamon roll. Anybody else do cinnamon rolls around Christmas? Yeah. Thank you, yes. It's, you just taste it and you're like, yes, this is what it's supposed to taste like. This is it. Or, or you're with family and, and you're laughing and enjoying each other instead of bickering and critiquing, right? In those moments, they're, not all the time, but there are moments where you're like, this is the harmony. This is it. This is what it's supposed to be like. This is shalom. It's peace. Or those moments maybe when you're in your, like your, I don't know, 20s, when your body just works great and you feel strong and alive and you have energy and uh, can you guys remember that? Uh, it seems like a long way ago for me. But, and you just, like, this is what it's, how, how it's supposed to work, right? If we're honest, we know that that peace is not how we'd usually describe our world. Like, you could turn on the news. You could look at your social media feed. You can think of your family relationships over the last week or two. You could probably look inside your own heart and mind and you know it's not what it should be. You know what you've done or the things you feel, it's broken. Maybe there's shame there. It's not peace. It's, it's, not what you, it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not wholeness and harmony. Peace, real peace, is elusive. But here... With this, this newborn baby in this little town in Israel, these angels are announcing peace on earth connected with this baby's birth. They're saying something along the lines that this baby's birth, this baby is going to bring some kind of wholeness, peace, the way it's supposed to be to our hearts and our lives and our world. Peace comes through this baby. And in a real sense, this was Jesus' mission to bring peace, to bring this wholeness, this beautiful, comprehensive wholeness and peace to every realm of our lives and every corner of the universe. The start and foundation of this peace that we're talking about is the peace that Jesus brings between man and God. You see, We may not always realize it, but this is where all the other brokenness and hostility stems from. you got family relationship problems where there's no peace. It starts with your relationship with God 
and the other person's relationship with God, and, and, and it, it all stems from that. Even, even if you have like bodily you know, issues where it's, it's not working properly, like on some level that starts with our relationship with God being broken way back in the garden. It's a little bit like, you ever, you ever talk to somebody who had uh, like back issues? And, and, and they had back issues, and later they find out that actually it wasn't their back that was the problem, it was something in their foot. But the, the back was just a symptom of the problem that started in their foot being off. And so they walked funny or stood funny, and then it affected their back. And it's sort of like that, that, that our relationship with God is where it starts, and it works its way out to all of these other areas of life, but it starts with our relationship with God. And here's the deal, Scripture says... That every one of us lacks peace with God apart from Jesus. Our relationship with Him is not whole. It's not the way it's meant to be. It's not together. By virtue of our sin, our wanting to go our own way, we're His enemies. Yeah, some of us are nice religious people that feel like we're always right, but we're still His enemies. In fact, we're his enemies because of our pride and our self-righteousness. We're his enemies because of those secret sins that we still harbor that, that no one else sees but are still there and he sees. We're his enemies. Others of us aren't even pretending, right? We know we're God's enemies and, and, that, and we're just kind of breaking his rules with utter abandon and we're doing our own thing and we don't care what he thinks and, and we'll just kind of ignore him as much as we can and keep him at arm's length because we are going our own way. Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, think of that description for a minute, alienated hostile in mind doing evil deeds, that's a description of people who are not at peace with God. They're not at peace with God, they're in hostility with God. They're alienated, they're hostile. And this baby, Jesus, came to bring peace with God. And he would do it by laying down his life for us, by dying the death that we deserve to die. Listen to what Colossians goes on to say. Colossians 1, again, starting in verse 21, and you who were once alienated, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. So once alienated, hostile, doing evil deeds, now reconciled, now made holy, now set apart for God. Think about your relationship with God for a moment where you stand with Him. If you think of God, I was talking to somebody this last week, sometimes you imagine a, a frown or a look of disappointment or maybe a begrudging tolerance of you. Or maybe He's just flat out, you imagine Him flat out angry with you. There's not a peace there. But listen, if you are in Christ, trusting in Jesus with all, of you, all that you are, if, if you are in Him, there is peace, there is wholeness, there is nearness to God, there is a smile of acceptance and pleasure on His face as He looks at us. 
There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. You can know you are His. He accepts you. He loves you. He will never let you go if you are in Christ. There is peace with God. How good is that? This baby came to bring that peace with God. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians, He Himself is our peace. He's our peace. And this peace with God, vertically, flows out horizontally into other areas of our life. It's like a, like a waterfall that cascades, right, down into other areas of life. And it cascades into our internal life, of our, our mind and our heart. And, and we, we have worries and anxieties and fears and grief and loss, and we can come and we can rest in peace because of our relationship with God being at peace. So we can rest from trying to be good enough and perform. We can settle our chaotic minds. We can breathe even in the midst of suffering. Why? Because we are loved. We are at peace with the God we were made to know. This peace also overflows into our relationships, right? Not perfectly or without exception. Kind of all of this is, we're in between where it's not fully yet, but it's still here. And so in our relationships, we begin to learn how to forgive like we've been forgiven. We begin to learn to serve like Jesus has served us. We begin to live differently, and especially in the church. Go read Ephesians 2. We get to live in this new peace and unity with each other. This peace overflows. And then it ripples off into every other area of life. Although some areas of life, we won't see or experience this peace until Jesus comes again one day. It was started, the peace was started with His first coming, with this advent, with His birth. But one day when He comes a second time, He will bring peace in fullness. One day, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will return. There will be no more fighting or mourning or pain. There will be no more loss. There will be no deformity or death or frustration. All will be made new. All will be whole. All will be in harmony. All will be at peace. Peace on earth. Now here's the big question in all of this. How do we get in on this peace? How do we get in on this? We want it. We know we need it if we're honest. We need this peace. The answer is faith. Not some kind of generic faith, not, not just an intellectual assent, not a vague faith in faith itself. No, it's a faith, a trust in Jesus Christ, this Savior who was born. We bank on, we give ourselves to, we bow before, we rely on Jesus Christ and all that He is and all that He has done. We look to and lean all of our weight on Him to give us the peace we need and long for. We depend on His sovereign pleasure and grace. 
that He would be pleased with us even though we don't deserve it. So that once again, even as we get the peace, He gets the glory. Glory to God and peace on earth. That's what Christmas is about. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for this. It's what we want and need and long for. And You have brought it about in the birth of Your Son, in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, in His ascension, in His coming again. He gives what we need. Glory to God. You deserve all praise for this. Even as we look to Jesus Christ for the peace on earth that we need, we trust in Him. It's in His name we pray. Amen.